there's something about him I feel like it's me I'm looking right at him He's literally me Welcome to another episode of Literally Him, a deep dive into Ryan Gosling's filmography. I'm your co-host, Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Emilio. Welcome back for another episode, everyone. This is the second to last episode we're going to do of the podcast. And then me and Emilio are going to drive off a cliff or something. Um, (laughs) This is going to be a red uh, pill podcast after. (laughs) You know the Joe Rogan experience? It's going to be like that, but even worse. <laughs> Just making gorilla noises. Just making <laughs> gorilla noises in the background. <laughs> but I wanted to uh, ask Emilio, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I don't know why yesterday I, was, I felt pretty uh, drained after that event I worked uh, that I was telling you about. Um but today I woke up pretty refreshed, actually. I think I was just lacking sleep. And yeah, I just went to the gym and lifted big heavy metal circles. And <laughs> yeah, now I'm just here. Well, actually, I had to clean up after my TV fell off my wall. But Oh, man, there's so much we have to cover. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, for the listener, Emilio works at a brewery. And he had to go work an event yesterday that was away from the, the main brewery. And um, it was, he was posting throughout the day and it was like the most strange fucking Sunday event I've ever seen. Can you like try to explain what it was about? Yeah. Um, so it took place at this barcade in Arts District called Two-Bit Circus. And actually I met the owner um, and the owner is the son of the parents who created Atari, which is holy shit. Yeah. So they pretty much have all this money in gaming and their son made this adult. Oh, actually the owner owns Atari and Chuck E. Cheese or he used to own Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, that that's right. I did know that fun fact that he also created Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess his son just had this money and he invested it into two bit circus, which is just a, a big adult um, arcade with booze and food and a lot of virtual reality stuff. But they also apparently have a workshop there where they make different arcade games and they troubleshoot stuff. It's pretty crazy, but I was not inside and I did not do any of that. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> I was set up outside in the parking lot all day with... Um, beer to pour and i didn't pour a single beer because hardly anyone serious yeah because <laughs> uh, no one fucking got a beer uh no i gave a beer to another vendor <laughs> but that's about it it was so i guess it was pitched to the uh marketing people as a brew uh, like a beer festival but when i got there it was a Beer, brat, worst, boxing, and blowtorch event. Blowjob, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> and so according to the people who were running it, it was to highlight some of the beer 
that's in um, downtown. And the guy who's coordinating said, oh, I want to like have downtown business and keep it in downtown. But it was just kind of really poorly executed because I got there at 12 and the event was supposed to start at 1. And the boxing ring wasn't done till 3.30. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> and there was only two matches. There was one. And also the boxing was... Uh, what's it called? Um, chess and boxing, and chess I and wrestling. I, so Emilio puts on his story two guys that were dressed up in boxing gear. They had like um, their boxing helmets and gloves, but before they were boxing, they were just playing a, a fucking round of chess. Like, yeah, what the what the fuck? Yeah. So every three, so three minutes, it's three minutes of chess, and then three minutes of boxing, and the winner is declared by whether they win the chess round. Or if they get knocked out during the boxing round. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah. I, I I don't I just that's so fucking crazy. I mean the place looks really cool. Um I think it's a it's a good concept. Who who doesn't like barcades? Um, especially when we're living in this generation of like adults who wanna reminisce and go to shit like that, like when they were kids. Like, yeah, there's there's definitely a market for that. Um but that's really that's really strange. So, like, if anything, the brewery you work you work at probably like made a net loss for this. <laughs> you didn't sell I, one fucking beer. Yeah, I, I imagine. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say a loss just because I'm sure we were kind of like paid out to be there, or at least like paid oh, for true. um the transportation and setup and uh, the kegs that we had. I would say it's more of like, well, because they want to do that every month. And I'm wondering if they're going to want to hear feedback from me. And I'm just going to be straight up. I'm just going to tell them, like, dude, that shit was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned how they have VR. Have you uh, heard this story about Jason Momoa the first time he tried VR, like at some event? No. So apparently the story goes, this is when like VR and before like uh, uh, organizations like Meta took VR and like mass marketed it. He was at some event where like it was a brand new thing and he was using the headset and everything. And then when he took off the headset, he said out loud, whoa, porn is going to be crazy. (laughs) My man knows his priorities. (laughs) That's actually uh, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing you think about. Um, But speaking of stars... Hey, it's Oscar season, and um, our boy Ryan Gosling has been fucking nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Barbie playing Ken. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Emilio? Um, I mean, I had a feeling that he would get nominated just because, you know, this role is so um, very different from a lot of stuff he's done. And I mean, I said it before. I'm pretty sure I did on our Barbie episode. He's kind of a, st- a scene stealer. Um, oh yeah. And definitely, um, his performance definitely was one of the biggest performances out of the film. Um, I am, I am surprised that he got nominated, but I'm also like not surprised if that makes sense. Yeah. I was expecting him to get nominated too, but like as the uh, Golden Globes and all these other like uh, events started to happen, 
I was starting to think like maybe he won't get nominated because there is a like this is a fucking fantastic year for movies. And I really thought movies like Iron Claw would also get nominated. So that would also bump out Ryan Gosling. But I'm I'm glad he did. Um, How do you feel about fucking Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig not even getting a fucking nomination in their respective uh, categories? You know, I think um, Greta Gerwig should have received a nomination just because of, I mean, the the subject matter of the movie. It's about Barbies, which are obviously plastic dolls from the early, what, 60s, mid to late 50s. And 50s, just taking yeah. like that concept and having a script in a story that really resonates with, I mean, obviously millions of people in this film making billions of dollars is insane. And that's a heavy achievement for a director, especially a woman director. Um, as for Margot Robbie's nomination, I, I don't remember what the other um, people, what the other women that were nominated for, for the lead actress. And I'm pretty sure I haven't seen a few of the movies. So I would have to like, I would have to watch them all to give, I guess like a real opinion. Cause I don't want to say something that I also haven't seen like anything about. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm glad that Lily Gladstone was nominated. And then also Emma Stone for poor things. Those are the only two movies Oh, I actually, I haven't seen poor things. I've only seen uh, <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. I fucked up. Um, and yeah, I think the the outrage that's been going on online is very warranted. But uh, something else that people have pointed out, and it's like, I don't want to take credit for this point, but it's something that like I really like thought about too, mm-hmm. was that um, there are like so many other actors, especially like women of color that did not get fucking nominated. Like, uh, for example, the movie fucking Past Lives. Have you have you watched Past Lives yet? Ooh, no, I have not. But that's definitely on my list to watch. Dude, it's so fucking good. Uh, Celine Song is the director, and she didn't get nominated. Uh, the lead actor is Greta Lee, and she did not get fucking nominated either. And that's just so fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty shitty. And like we've talked about before, like these organizations should not really be held in this esteem because at the end of the day, what the fuck do they know? But yeah. Whenever a person doesn't get nominated, it's always like, dude, are you fucking serious? Like you're just proving our goddamn point. Yeah, I kind of just like, well, also because, um, I mean, I saw Godzilla minus one and I was like, oh, this is a fantastic movie. Like this has to get some type of nomination. And yeah, it ultimately, um, piggybacking off what you said, it ultimately comes down to like these organizations, but also like their their um, choices aren't the end all be all of what's like a good film. And it's also kind of why like, I don't like um, Oscar season just cause there is like a lot of uh, just a lot of, um... Oh my God. Oh, there you go. There's Greta Lee coming to get your ass. <laughs> um, I don't know why my laptop does that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, but um, what was I saying? That, all this like buzz comes around Oscar season and I kind of just get tired of it. 
and I oh, also shit. there's Margot Robbie getting your ass too. <laughs> I also don't. Um, what's the word? I'm just tired of seeing that clip of Bradley Cooper and Maestro, dude. <laughs> I'm just so tired of it. I'm tired of seeing him conduct for six minutes, and he and I keep. I'm getting tired of constantly getting reminded that he trained for six years to do this. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous, dude. I really like Bradley Cooper, but he can be so far up his own ass sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Um, also, like, shout out. Last year, there were so many fucking good movies. Iron Claw was a great one. Uh, Past Lives. Fucking uh, Bottoms oh, was yeah. an awesome fucking comedy. Yeah. And uh, so what? And the John Wick 4 came out last year, and that movie was fucking awesome, too. Like, that deserves some praise as well. Like, who gives a shit that it's an action movie? It's fucking cool. It's such a good mm-hmm. movie. But um, shifting gears to this movie, today we're covering the big short released in 2015, um, directed by Adam McKay. Um, I think that Adam McKay is someone who is just incredibly prolific, especially in the comedy scene and now in the like serious drama scene. Um, what do you like? What do you, what have you seen from Adam McKay? What have you like grown up watching from Adam McKay? Oh, definitely the comedies that he did. I mean, he was, uh, he did what, um, all the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley comedies. So the ballad of Ricky Bobby, um, I think he had something to do with Walk Card. I think he helped produce like some of Judd Apatow's films as well. And so, vice yeah. versa, Judd Apatow helped produce some of his films. Step Brothers is definitely a staple for me. I absolutely, I can watch that movie over and over again and never not laugh. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, this was around the time that I was like, what, uh, between... F- 13 to 18 so i kind of basically grew up with this type of comedy and i actually really liked this movie the big short when it first came out because it was somewhat digestible and the comedy elements were there as far as like how adam mckay directs i wasn't the biggest fan of what's it called don't look up dude i'm glad you brought that up i fucking hate that movie i think it's so bad (laughs) I think it's so cheesy and that's another movie that's up its own ass too i don't like that one. <laughs> oh, and he also did vice i did like vice vice yeah, vice is great vice was definitely an easier movie to die to die blah, to digest than this one yeah i don't know if you brought up uh, he also did the other guys too that's another movie that oh yeah that's always stuck in my head um yeah, and he's also produced fantastic shows like Succession and um, fuck, what the fuck is that movie? Or not uh, Not movie, it's a TV show on HBO about the Lakers. Um, oh, it- um, Game Time or something like that? Yeah, it's either Showtime or Game Time. Um, it's really fucking unfortunate that him and his rela- Adam McKay's relationship with Will Ferrell went down the drain. Yeah. If you guys don't know this story, so they worked together for a number of years, made so many uh, things together. They made like one of the first viral uh, videos I've ever seen on YouTube, The Landlord, back in oh, like, yeah. 2009 or whatever. And um, they had a dispute over the show um, uh, Showtime uh, where Will Ferrell was promised to have the lead role. And then Will Ferrell found out via like uh, some 
some internet site or some like news thing that John C. Riley got the main role. So he called up Adam McKay to tell him what the fuck, man. And Adam McKay just said, well, I think it's for the best of the show. And they're no longer friends and they no longer work together. And they made some such like awesome shit that I love so much. Like, uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I, I also saw that apparent. Well, Adam McKay actually said this in an interview that um, Will Ferrell like emailed him and he kind of just like ignored it or something like that. There was some like email uh, fiasco that happened between them two. But in the article, he it's verbatim, like it's coming from his mouth and it just makes him look like such an asshole, like a, like a shitty friend. Cause he basically like Adam was McKay like, oh, or Will Ferrell Adam McKay. No. So yeah, that's like when um, a lot of this news was coming out and after Adam McKay, um, I guess, uh, said this in this interview, people were kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I can see why Will Ferrell's pissed off at him. Yeah, it's really shitty, man. It's like, uh, it's almost as bad as like when my parents got divorced, but (laughs) whatever. Um, (laughs) I wanted to ask you next, uh, do you have a synopsis ready for us? Yes, I do. It is a little bit lengthy. So, in 2008, Wall Street guru Michael Burry realizes that a number of subprime home loans are in danger of defaulting. Burry gets bets against the housing market by throwing more than $1 billion of his investors' money into credit default swaps. His actions attract the attention of banker Jared Bennett, hedge fund specialist Mark Baum, and other greedy opportunists. Together, these men make a fortune by taking full advantage of the impending economic collapse in America. Yeah. Um, so, fair warning to the listeners. Um, there is so much fucking economics jargon in this movie. Yeah. And I do not think that I understand everything 100%, even though I'm an economics teacher. <laughs> I probably should. I don't. Um, me and Emily are going to try our best to just go through the movie as much as we can. But uh, yeah, a lot of stuff is kind of fuzzy. And uh, yeah. Uh, so, Emilio, do you want to walk us through the first scene? So, throughout the film, um, actually, when um, I started, I didn't realize that uh, Ryan Gosling's character would be narrating. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, Michael, or, well, I mean, I guess we're introduced to Ryan Gosling as, um, damn, I already forgot. forgot Jared. Jared, yeah. Jared Vennett. Oh, I put down his last name, Vennett, because that's what they called him. But, um, Mm -hmm. so he is introduced as the narrator. So this is like the fourth wall character. He pretty much explains everything throughout the movie. But we are introduced to Christian Bale's character which is Michael and Michael works for Scion investments, which is pretty much an investment firm that Michael owns. And through pretty much, it seems like how the film set it up was that he was just looking through bonds and he finds out that a lot of these triple a rated bonds, which means they are good safe bonds for banks to, use in for loans think (laughs) (laughs) yeah see like i'm not a finance bro by any means oh boy 
Um, um, I do want to I do want to point out that the very beginning they start with Jared narrating and that uh, they point to the 1970s and uh, they also have like quotes that pop up in between mm-hmm. scenes and the first one is by Mark Twain and it says it uh, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble it's what you know for sure that just ain't so and I do like that quote a lot from Mark Twain. And then we have Ryan Gosling narrating as Jared. And he says, in the late 70s, banking wasn't a job you get uh, where you get to make a lot of money. It was a fucking snooze filled with losers. <laughs> so <laughs> right off the bat, you just get the, the the sense that Jared Bennett is just a huge piece of shit. He goes on to explain that uh, there's this guy named Louis Ranieri that decides that banking should be about bankers making as much money as they can. And one way they do that is by giving out loans to people for houses like it's fucking candy. And (laughs) each loan, they feel like people are going to pay this back. Who doesn't pay back a home loan? And uh, Jared Bennett eventually sets up that this cycle of continuing to give out money to people, not checking their background, not checking what kind of job they have, eventually collapses uh, the U.S.'s economy and the world's economy. And we we hit a recession in 2008. Um, and then his last line before we cut to Michael and the scene you were talking about, he says that, um, but only a few people like saw this happening. Uh, but these people are, are nerds. And he says, uh, but not me. I'm pretty fucking cool, as you'll see oh, yeah. in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it the film kind of already sets up this premise that um, banks and investors and um i guess you can say like loan agents are all greedy fucking assholes and they just want to make as much money as they can without any real type of uh policing or any real type of check background checking of anything and pretty much the delinquency of these banks and these loan departments and these other departments that rate these loans and rate these bonds um, I like all the greed of this pretty much led to the economic crash of 2008. But, um, Christian Bale's character, Michael notices this and he begins to, I, I it's yeah. So in the scene, he looks up, I think it was 20 pages or 20, some 20 something pages of bonds. Because he calls his boss, who's in charge of his investing uh, firm, and he tells him that he read all this. So he knows for sure that within a few years or even a few months that this housing market bubble is going to burst. So he begins to call banks and bet against these bonds which scares the shit out of all these investors because no one's ever bet against the bank before. And within this moment, Michael pretty much holds their money hostage. Yeah. (laughs) And and, uh, invests all this money into betting against the banks. Yeah. Uh, Michael is such an interesting character and it, and all these people are real people who actually saw the coming of the 2008 recession. Michael's a doctor and I'm, I forgot what exactly what he's a doctor in. I'm assuming it's economics. Um, but he, you can tell right off the bat that he's kind of an aloof kind of strange character. 
Uh, for one, he has a glass eye, and um, he he shares in the movie that he lost it as a kid due to some type of infection. And we also see a scene of him when he's a little kid playing football and his glass eye falls out and he kind of just quits sports after that. Um, but I really like the way that Christian Bale uh, portrays this guy. Um, hey, Christian Bale, probably the guy we're going to pivot to when we're done with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Um, Emilio, tell me, how do you feel about Christian Bale? What do you like? What have you seen from him before? I think he is a fantastic actor. I know he's very well known for his transformations, especially specifically his body transformations. He definitely goes up and down his weight for specific roles, but I think he is a fantastic actor just overall. I mean, some of my favorite films of him are, you know, the typical ones like the, the dark Knight trilogy um, but there's also some other ones that are he's really good in that kind of went under the radar, like out of the furnace. I thought he was really good in that film. Um, but yeah, I think he did a great performance playing like this kind of. Um, what's the word? Uh, introverted, uh, kind of weird, mostly numbers guy who doesn't who's socially awkward, doesn't really know how to talk to people. Because there's some great comedy in um, this character too, because he's because he's having these people who are millionaires coming to him, telling him like, "Don't do this with our money," and he's like just stone cold, and he's telling them like, "I'm going to do this with your money. <laughs> like, I this is what you pay me for. That I see where the money is going and where it's going to be made, and it's here." And yeah, I thought he was uh, great in this film. Yeah. Um- as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about Don't Look Up. And what I don't like about that movie is how there's this portrayal of like people, of a collection of people that are like, um, am I the only one who's seeing this happening right now? Like this reflection of society of like everyone just wants to be dumb and not pay attention to things. Like I feel like in Don't Look Up, it's so in your face that it's incredibly fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, And in this movie, you can see sprinkles of that, even though this is something that really happened in real life. Um, As I reflect on it and I think about it now, I do find it just a tiny bit annoying how it's just constantly like, these are the only guys who saw it coming and everyone else in the world didn't give a fuck. And maybe that's true, but I do inherently just find that annoying because of Don't Look Up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um. We're also introduced to another character in between. We cut in between Michael and we get to meet, um, fuck, I already forgot his name, Steve Carell's character. Mark uh, Baum. <laughs> Mark Baum, yeah. So we cut to a grief counseling session. There's this guy venting about how he was angry and he was going through this loss. And then suddenly the character Mark Baum, played by Steve Carell, pops up. And he is on the phone being so fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's talking about work. And his therapist who's leading this group session tells him, like, Mark, we told you, you can't just come in and hijack the session with your, like, and be on the phone. And then he just continues talking and then he gets the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of this intro to uh, Steve Carell's character, Mark Baum? You know, it's funny. I can't, I understand that this character is supposed to be um, a little bit, like, insufferable. Um, this his character kind of seems like he's supposed to be just like this guy who just gets up and goes and like is just constantly um thinking of 
pretty much like everything. So when we're introduced to his character, he's talking about pretty much how much he hates Wall Street and he hates um, Wall Street people that he was trying to sit down with this guy and tell him that he's like a sleazy con man and that he was that Mark Baum was telling that him telling him this to his face and this guy pretty much just got up and left. And that's what he was venting about during this grief counseling meeting. And um, even after this, when he leaves, he, his wife calls him and she's telling him, you know, like maybe you should get out of this line of work. Like maybe it's, maybe it's your stress. And it's also revealed that he lost his brother, that his brother was also yeah. somebody that was heavy into this um, investing scene and he kills himself. And so his uh, wife tells him, you tells him not to blame himself that he's not responsible for what happened to his brother. But uh, Mark holds a lot of guilt for what happened. And all this is interrupted when he hails a taxi and someone else is about to get in and he tells him, Hey, no, no, mine. <laughs> That's a really good impression, by the way. <laughs> he sounds exactly <laughs> like that. I also kind of yeah. can't stand his voice. I love his, yeah, it's, it's super annoying, but I do love it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, also, uh, Mark Baum's wife is played by Marissa Tomei, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool to see them work together again. Uh, they work together in crazy, stupid love and then fucking Ryan Gosling's in this movie too. And, uh, the last time we saw Marissa Tomei was for, um, fuck what was Ryan Gosling's movie. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> stupid campaign love? No, where he's a campaign manager with George Clooney. Oh, the I March. March. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's like so many people in this that pop up that Ryan Gosling has worked with before. Um, but yeah. So cutting back to Michael, as you're pointing out, he calls his mentor slash like business partner, Lawrence, and tells him his idea about um, buying up these bonds that are for insurance on home mortgages and they'll get paid out once the mortgage recession happens uh, as Michael is predicting. Um, so they're trading all this jargon back and forth, right? And they are uh, trying to explain what a subprime mortgage is. And mm -hmm. Jared interrupts the scene with his narration. And he says like, look, this is too complicated. You probably won't get this. So here to explain it is Margot Robbie having a bubble bath. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of this scene, Emilio? <laughs> Um, some like, honestly, this scene kind of took me out of the movie. Um, just cause it was a little bit like ab abrupt to happen. Um, but there's three more scenes like this in this. Yeah. Film. But I think the, for some reason, I think the second one works a little better cause the second one kind of made more sense to me. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. this one, I guess it's definitely a way for the director to kind of like he knows there's a lot of heavy economic and finance mumbo jumbo and a lot of ordinary people aren't going to get this so here's something visually stunning to look at and we're just going to simplify this for you so that you can understand what's going on so that we can continue the story but i think with this one the first one with margot robbie definitely kind of uh took me out of the movie yeah, I agree with you. So the first one's with Margot Robbie. Um, I think it's it's fine. It's a good one. Uh, she explains subprime mortgages, how they're just like pieces of shit. Like those are mortgages you never want to get. And uh, 
Michael uses the, the term that he wants to short uh, the mortgages, which just means that he wants to bet against the mortgages. And she explains that as well. And then at the end, she says, all right, you got it. Okay, fuck off. And then we come back to yeah. the scene. And it's funny. And then the second one is with Anthony Bourdain. And I fucking I love Anthony Bourdain. So like yeah. automatically, I, I love that so much. The third one is with Selena Gomez. And right now, everyone fucking hates Selena Gomez because she's annoying. So automatically by the third one, and I saw her, I was just like, all right, I'm fucking done with this. <laughs> like, I'm so sick of this. Oh, wait, people breaking. hate Selena Gomez right now? <laughs> Yeah, because she's just like annoying on social media. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, like um, I understand the point of of uh, fourth wall breaking. Like it's supposed to be funny and random, but like if you do too much, it's just fucking stupid. I'm sure <laughs> at the time when this movie came out, it was really funny. But now looking at it in 2023, like I feel like it just so fucking played out. Um. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of whack. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to point out before we move to another scene? Um, specifically from this scene, no, because I do like the next scene that goes into it, and it's when um, Venet meets Michael and Vinny and the rest of their uh, investment team, and I particularly really like this scene. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So um, there, there's pretty much word going around town that Michael Bennett, who's Ryan Gosling's character, is trying to get these investors to invest against the um, swaps, which are these ch- shit uh, bonds that are made up of each other, but they're pretty much packaged into something that it's not, and they're sold to the banks and people who are um, or like uh, loan agents saying, like, these are good. So there's nothing to worry about. So uh, Michael, or not Michael, Mark and Vinny, who's played by Jeremy Strong, I only want to mention him because his character is the second most important out of this little little group that Mark has. But they pretty much call him in because they think he's bullshitting. And so they call Vinny in and Vinny... puts on this fantastic selling pitch to them. And it's just so hilarious. I'd like, I think this is like where uh, Ryan Gosling kind of embraced more of that comedic um, performance that he's had uh, because I actually uh, just sent this scene to like a friend of mine and he was like, Oh my God, I love this scene. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah i think that he like whenever he plays up being a huge asshole it always pays off he is so fucking funny um i do want to point out that jeremy strong has also worked again with adam mckay in another project we didn't mention but succession and he is Mm. fucking phenomenal in that show it's so it's my favorite show ever um i also wanted to point out that another person that's a part of mark Baum's team is a guy named uh, Danny Moses, and he's supposed to be like the optimistic person in the group. I don't know if you knew this, but he's uh, his name is uh, Rafi Spall, and he's in Hot Fuzz. He's one of the two jerk detectives that's really mean to oh, um, shit. the main guy. Yeah, and, uh, he's he has an English. Obviously, he has like an American accent in this movie, but he is he's a great actor too. Um, but yeah, I do like uh, fucking um, throughout this scene, especially in the beginning, Ryan Gosling keeps saying over and over, uh, you smell that? 
I smell money. And he's just so <laughs> fucking annoying throughout the whole scene. Yeah. And then he also has like this assistant dude that's there. And um, yeah, he says like, do you guys smell that? What? You smell that? No. And he looks at the assistant. And he goes, what do you think that is? Opportunity. No. You fucking idiot. Money. <laughs> <laughs> and then he brings in, um, he brings in an analyst who is, <laughs> who is, so bad. <laughs> he brings in an analyst who's Asian. I'm assuming he is um, of Chinese descent. And uh, Bennett tells him, like, how do I know these numbers are correct? Look at him. And they're like, look at what? This is my quant. My quantitative. He's my numbers guy. Let me give you a hint. His name is Yang. <laughs> So bad. And then uh, Yang, this character we never see again, breaks the fourth wall just to talk to the camera. And he has like per- he speaks in perfect like English, like, "Oh yeah, my name, my last name is Yang, but you know, like I'm just I'm just here because I'm, I do a good job." Yeah, he uh, he mentions like, "Oh, I speak perfect English, and I got second in uh, this uh, national math competition that Venet brought up because Venet is trying to sell them like, oh, he's." Chinese, he won. He's number one in the country of China for for uh, for a math competition, and he doesn't even speak English. So how can I be wrong about what I'm talking about? <laughs> so stupid. But anyways, after this, um, he pretty much sells them on this idea that yes, these banks have been collecting all these shit bonds and pretending that they're triple A, double A rated bonds. And he uses this Jenga set to set up this idea that all these shit bonds are what's holding these higher good ones up in place. And then once that these bad ones start going out, uh, which pretty much means that I believe um, the banks have to pay these loans out. Mm-hmm. Um, once they start going out, then the other good bonds will begin to crap out and then everything craps out and then the market crashes. Yeah. And so this is another scene where they, so within the scene, they break the fourth wall twice. Mm-hmm. It's too much. They do it with Yang. And then before in the, in the previous scene where they introduce Venet, uh, Venet, they say something like, yeah, Venet had like a troubled past or something. And he never talks about his dad. And then Venet looks at the camera. He's like, yeah, I don't talk about that. And then, like, again, they break it because uh, Jared, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, brings up the idea of CDOs. And um, to explain CDOs, they bring in um, Anthony Bourdain to explain how, like, CDOs are repackaged mortgages that they lump together. And so what they want to do is buy these CDOs specifically because they'll have the highest payout or something to that effect. I'm I'm not 100%. Yeah. Um, so then Jared gives this really enthusiastic speech about it and to uh, which Mark Baum tells him, like, we're going to have to, like, crunch the numbers and, and think about this. And so they stand up to leave. And I really like uh, Jared getting in Mark Baum's face. And he's like, you're going to dog shit, aren't, me, aren't you? You're going to say no to this, aren't you? You're going to you're not going to want to take this deal. And uh, <laughs> Mark Baum just looks back back at him. He's like, no, Jared, that's not what we're going to do. And he just walks out. <laughs> yeah, I also uh, like to when he when he enters the room and he's like, Oh, well, you guys! You guys invited me here to to, to fuck with me, yeah, to laugh in my face because <laughs> I haven't had anyone else do that. And he goes, I, "Well, I'm, you sh- you're shopping this idea around." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of people interested." And it cuts to like every banker telling him, "Like, fuck off! 
get out of here. No way. No one's going to invest with you. So he's really good yeah, at playing like this. Um, I think of actually Mark Baum's character or Mark Baum made a good comparison. Like he's like a shitty car salesman. Like oh, yeah, that, definitely. That, like that's like his his personality because he know because they know that's definitely what he's talking about in terms of what's happening to uh, these bonds and these these loans. Um, but he says like, yeah, he knows what he's talking about, but I wouldn't buy a car from him. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, um, in a previous scene, they point out that Jared Bennett finds out about the idea of, of, uh, shortening these stocks because he hears at a cocktail party that a friend, um, or some colleague sold a bunch of these shortened stocks to, um, Michael, Mm-hmm. And so, like, just from hearing about that, he automatically steals this idea just to prove, like, he can't even have an original thought. He just pounces the <laughs> first time he has he sees something that's a like a, a good idea. Um, but then from this, we we cut to our final group of people that are involved in shortening these stocks. We're introduced to uh, Charlie and Jamie, and Charlie and Jamie are like this these group of young. Um, uh, I don't know what you would call them because businessmen that want to break into to Wall Street, yeah. And they're gonna be they're gonna have a meeting with J.P. Morgan, but once they get there, they're told like you guys have to leave, like we don't have time for you, just to set up that they're really like small time. Um, I want to point out that Charlie is um, fuck is in Past Lives, <laughs> the movie I was just talking about. His name is John Margot, and he plays like a, a, a supporting actor, and he's fucking awesome in that movie. Oh, wow. And then, um, oh shit, I fucked up. I think it's Charlie. Yeah, yeah, Charlie. And then Jamie is played by Finn uh, Whitrock, and he plays Emma Stone's boyfriend in La La Land, the initial boyfriend who gets dumped. Um, so there's your connection back to Ryan Gosling. He was in fucking La La Land. <laughs> oh, but wow. Do you want to like, that. yeah, it's like a super short scene. He just looks super familiar. So I looked it up. Um, but these guys eventually get the idea to uh, shorten stocks because they see it on a paper that they're like rummaging through. And again, they break the fourth wall again. Uh, the character Jamie looks directly at the camera and says like, this isn't actually how we found out about the shortening of stocks. Uh, We actually found out through a friend and I found out through another friend, but just for the sake of the movie, we're going to say this is how we found out. And again, it's just like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) That was kind of an odd choice to do. Like I understand, you know, getting the movie to move along, but um, to kind of point out like, oh yeah, this didn't actually happen. And we're doing this to move along the story, but we're also deciding to tell you, I, it kind of just, again, like it, it, it's like that fourth wall breaking, but it also takes you out of the story. Yeah. It's too tongue in cheek. Like, I just don't like it anymore. If I was, if I saw this when it just came out, I probably would have loved it and thought it was awesome. But just seeing it pop up over and over again in other types of media, like I'm just, I'm fucking over it. Um, so we also get introduced to Ben. Ben is Jamie's neighbor and Ben is a former wall street guy who got out of the business. But Jamie talks to him because he likes, like he has a lot of experience and Ben is played by Brad Pitt. Uh, what did you think about the character Ben? And then what do you like from Brad Pitt? You know, I actually really like, um, Brad Pitt as Ben in this film. He, um, 
Brad Pitt has been described. I've read it like he's been described as a character actor with a movie star body and face. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy's so good at like becoming these characters and really um, diving into them. But he was never really given this opportunity when he was younger because he was such a good looking dude. So they would put him on the forefront of like leading man roles and action roles. I'm sure we're all familiar with Troy here. Um, but yeah, I actually, I, I really like that as he's getting older, he's kind of go, going for these different roles because this guy, Ben is a recluse. He lives in buttfuck nowhere and he has 10 different phone numbers that mm-hmm. these guys try to reach him on. But he's also at the same time constantly checking the status of the American economy and also other economies of the world because this guy's paranoid that the world is going to like ultimately collapse and this guy just likes to keep tabs on everything. So when these guys call him, uh, they have to go through five different numbers to finally get him on the line. And they pitch to him this idea that they don't have any major money to invest. So they ask Ben, like they tell him, oh, like this is our idea. If it's solid, would you invest in it? And Ben says, yes. So then it begins, there's pretty much three key players. Um, There could have been more, but the film focuses on these three key players that are betting against the banks, which is Venet and Mark and Vinny's group, Michael, and now Ben and the two other boys. Yeah, Charlie and uh, Jamie. And it's just like very interesting how it all plays out. I mean, like ultimately the rest of the film is just like looking into the timeline of when things collapsed. And like, I, I, we are like about 45 minutes in already, Emilio. And (laughs) we (laughs) might've gotten (laughs) like, yeah. So I think what we should do is just point out a couple key scenes because just to like give you a little synopsis, um, the rest of the movie is just them like scouting out places, doing research, uh, everyone around them telling them like, you are fucking idiots for mm-hmm. buying these bonds. You are not going to get cashed out. Mortgages never fail. And then ultimately, we, as we all know, all these mortgages went belly up. And in 2008, we had a full blown fucking recession. Mm-hmm. And these guys are right. Um, so just to skip around. Um, just for the sake of this episode not being an hour and a half, um, is there any scene you want to point out before we get to like, I don't know, I guess the end of our podcast? Uh, there, there are a few scenes that I did particularly like because I think it highlights how kind of corrupt. Um, well, I mean, I think a lot of people know this at this point, but how particularly corrupt these banks and like how these these big money makers move. Um, there's a scene where, well, so basically what's happening is they invest all this money into these swaps because they're betting against them. They know they're going to crash and then they begin to crash. But the quality, um, the rating of these bonds are still good. So Mark, Baum, and Vinny are freaking out. They call Venet and Venet basically tells them, well, like they're supposed to. Like this is like... Um, what do you want me to tell you? Like the, either the system's corrupt or we're wrong. And I don't think we're wrong. So Mark and Vinny go to a Raider that they both personally know. 
and they basically um, interrogate her and they tell her, we know that these things are about to bust. We know these things aren't good. We know they're made up of shit bonds. So why are you still rating them as triple A? And Mark asks her, does every bond that comes in here, do you rate it a triple A? And then she um, confesses that she does that because if they don't, they'll go to another raider and they're going to lose money and that she has a boss and her boss is telling her to do this. But then she also points out that uh, Mark and Vinny are hypocrites because they want these ratings to go down because the, it will crash and they'll make money off of it. But um, it kind of begins to highlight just how much these big banks were pretty much, they knew this was going to happen and they were just hiding it. And they never wanted to admit, never wanted to admit this was going to happen until it happened. Yeah. I think that's um, a key thing of the movie that really works on me. Like as much as it's cheesy, like the parts that are really dramatic really get to me. Um, I do like that that Raider does turn around on uh, Mark and Vinny and tell them like, you're fucking full of shit because you're, you're depending on these failing. And guess what? If they fail, that's like bad for the average person. Um, They do delve into like how this is just fucking up the average American. There is a, a later scene where they go to Vegas for a big CDO convention and they meet the people that are in charge of CDOs. And it's just a setup like they're all fucking idiots who are in charge, people that, that are in charge of this money. And uh, uh, Ben's team with uh, Charlie and Jamie, Charlie and Jamie are like are really excited. They're like, uh, I forget what they, they what they do exactly, but they start like... Uh, like celebrating that they're going to make all this money to which Ben mm-hmm. turns around and snaps on them and is like, don't you know, like this is coming at the expense of people that people are going to lose their pensions. They're going to lose their Medicare. They're going to lose their jobs. He's like, don't you know that every time we go into a recession that like 5% of the population dies yeah. and like, it's just this point in scene of like, this is all fucked up. Like these people that are, that saw this recession coming instead of like, I don't know, maybe trying to help out. They just saw an opportunity to make money and it's just so fucking crazy. Yeah, it's definitely, I like that they added that part in with Ben because Ben, even though he is obviously a player in, um, in, in what's going on, he is fully self-aware that millions of Americans are going to lose their homes and their jobs and everything. And they're betting on that. And they're hoping that this is what's going to happen. And I like how after he explains that to them, they're, they both go, oh, I'm sorry. And he says, well, so stop fucking dancing. <laughs> That's what they do. They start dancing. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's also like some other parts too, like where, um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're good. Go but um, uh, yeah, the two other guys that are part of Mark's um, group, they go down to Florida, I think. And they talk yeah. to uh, they talk to loan officers there, and these guys are pretty much saying like, "Yeah, we sell to anybody, and like we we just give that shit away like candy, like because why not? Because no one's gonna get background checks, and they're even stunned because they tell them like, you don't check their FICO scores, you don't check their like anything, and they say no. So it is shown in the film that a lot of these people are stupid. But um, I, I like to think that a lot of these people are just n- negligent 
and they know yeah. that what they're doing is wrong. But obviously they don't give a shit because yeah. they're making the hundreds of thousands, at least the loan officers are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, which in turn means that these banks are making millions and millions of dollars at the expense of like these people who shouldn't even be having these homes or anything like that to begin with. Yeah, I think like, I think what Adam McKay should do is he should be a producer because when he directs or he's in charge of a project, I end up like maybe not liking it as much because you can <laughs> see like the percolations and like the the ideas for Don't Look Up. Again, it's like constantly beating you over the head of like Mark Baum and Michael, fuck, what's his last name? Um, Michael what? Oh, uh, damn. Well, Michael Burry. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, they both see everything coming and everyone around them is fucking stupid and don't want to realize it. And that's just the whole premise to don't look up. But then when you hit really serious shit and then on top of all this like economics jargon, that's all of succession. Like that shit is so good. I wish there was more of that in this film, but yeah, whatever. Um, I do want to point out that there is a scene where uh, Venet, uh, Ryan Gosling's character is telling Mark Baum, like we have to buy more stocks even though like the, the rating has stayed the same and it doesn't look like they're going to plummet. And Mark Baum's team fucking erupts and starts yelling in Mike in um, Jared's oh, yeah. face. <laughs> and like, they just, they just showed uh, Ryan Gosling's face and he's just stone faced looking at them as these guys are saying the weirdest shit. One guy yells out, you have a little Butler boy, you butt fuck or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and then the guy, like they, they, they pan over to the guy he yelled at and he's like, Oh God, I pulled the muscle just from yelling at this yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> I do like in this scene too, how um like prior to uh, Vinnett showing up to the office, uh, Vinny, Jeremy Strong's character is like holding a bat <laughs> and he says, Oh yeah. <laughs> I hope he, I hope he comes to the office. So I'm going to, cause I'm going to bash his fucking face in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, Let's see. There is there was a point where I had to write down um, that we cut to Jared and Mark and shit is hitting the fan. This is when it's already like April of 2007. And the movie does a good job of showing you like dates. So, you know, like where mm. things are at. Um, but I did put in parentheses. Um, I'm kind of lost at this point in the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so much jargon at some point where I'm just like, I, I just lost interest. But yeah. I guess they're just sticking true to it. Yeah, there, but, um, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of scenes where the characters are talking to other characters who are part of like the banking world or um, the like securities world. And they pretty much have to explain what certain things are and what certain things are happening. And because that has to show like there is like this negligence that's going on and people openly know about it. Most, most people openly know about it or other people just don't know about it or they're ignorant to it, to it. Um, because yeah, like there's, I'll just briefly talk about it cause there's so much shit that we can talk about. But, um, what are the guys names again <laughs> that are with Ben, uh, Charlie and Jamie, Charlie and Jamie. So Charlie and Jamie go to see, um, one of their brother's ex girlfriends at the Caesar's palace. Mm -hmm. And she yeah. works for the SEC. Um, and he asks her what she thinks about all this stuff because the bonds are obviously going to fail. And she says, we don't even check that. We don't investigate that because we don't have the budget to. 
So there's like all these little small parts that explain what is going on in terms of like the financial world. Um, so this movie can get long. It can feel kind of long. And there actually is like a lot that you have to pay attention to. There's a lot of shit. Um, I do want to cut to the scene because I want to hear you say this line. But uh, I think the most famous line, especially when this movie was coming out, I remember seeing the um, the trailers for it. And this line was super fucking prevalent. Um, but, you know, obviously it was like censored. Um, so there's a part that shit is hitting the fan and people are starting to really get worried about these bonds that they're buying. So they decide like um, to start selling them. And so Jared calls up Mark Baum and he tells him like, it looks like shit's getting like rocky. You might consider like uh, jumping ship. And then, uh, and then I think Ryan Gosling has like the best line of the whole movie. Do you want to say it? Oh yeah. So um, for context of this scene, <laughs> uh, Venet goes into a restroom that's at his uh, bank office and he tells some guy to get out <laughs> and he's talking to Mark and he's telling him that, yeah, that shit is falling apart. People are calling us to buy our swaps. Um, so it's happening. And but then he tells Mark that um, he might want to check uh, with his um, investors because there is one key part that is shown in the film right after this. But um He's telling Mark how excited he is. And he goes, I'm jacked. I'm jacked to the tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so actually good, pretty dude. famous. <laughs> I, like, that's the only thing I knew about this movie going into it. And I was very excited to, to hear that line. And it, it's a big payoff. It's really fucking funny. I think I made that into <laughs> a clip. And I, would, I was sending it to Joseph for a while. Like, if we uh, make yeah, plans or something. Too. So is it that or or Ryan Gosling um, at the bar in um, Crazy Stupid Love when he honks? Oh yeah, uh, Snoop Girls nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then like right after that, um, this old guy comes out of the restroom and he looks at me. He's like, "What'd you hear?" <laughs> he's such an asshole. I, I was just thinking right now, like um, another notable character or like persona in the literally me, literally him memes. Are, is uh, Patrick Bateman. And mm. I'm just like wondering, what do you think? Do you think Ryan Gosling would do a good job portraying Patrick Bateman? I think it would be like, I think he would. I don't see why he wouldn't. I feel like it would be a cross between this guy. He plays Jared Bennett and um, Julian and Only God Forgives. I think it'd be a combination think- of that. I think he would fucking rock it. I think he'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, do you want to... Is there any other scene you want to point out before we get to the end? Um, hmm. Well, I guess one important thing, I guess semi-important for the story, is that um, Mark, I guess he invests with Morgan Stanley, which is a big bank in New York. And so the reason why Venet tells him to check in with them is because he he uh, Venet realizes that Morgan Stanley also has bad bond, bonds invested. And so when Mark goes, he talks to this woman that works there, and he can get the sense of something's going on. So he asks her to tell him the truth, and it's that 
one guy in charge of the bonds department actually um, paid a couple million in triple B rated bonds that he thought would um, be triple A and that the percentage rate wouldn't go up because it only stays at 5% or it wouldn't go past eight, but it went belly up. So all this money is pretty much about to be lost. And all this money is invested um, with Mark uh, Baum's investors because he's an investment firm. So he goes back and tells um, the rest of his group that um, pretty much all all their money can potentially be gone. And there's a scene where Vinny's telling him to sell those swaps because it'll save Mm -hmm. Morgan Stanley and it'll also save all the investors um, that they work with, like all their clients. And Mark pretty much tells him no, that he wants them to keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah. And it's a really like, um, so like the whole time this character, Mark Baum is a person who, even though he works in wall street, he fucking hates wall street. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to September, 2008, the recession finally fucking hits. Uh, Mark Baum is like, uh, having a debate with some senior analytics person or some e- economist. And this economist is telling everyone in the room, like things are going to be fine. Don't fucking worry. And then as the debate's going on, um, Mark also points out like things won't be fine. Like things are going to hit the shit or things are going to shit is going to hit the fan pretty soon. Um, the recession hits in the middle of this fucking um, uh, a debate and people are checking their phones. They're getting notifications. Stocks are plummeting. And we see that like eventually Jamie and Charlie go to the floor of Wall Street and everyone is gone. People are being fired and laid off in troves. And we see people carrying boxes. They're just getting the fuck out of there. Um, in the end, Mark Baum finally fucking sells his stocks after withholding for so long. And he makes something around like a billion dollars with his team mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, Charlie, Jamie, and Ben together make like $80 million. And then... Um, I, th- I forget how much Michael makes, but everyone makes a shitload of money in the end. Yeah. Um, there is a scene where Michael emails all his uh, investors and he tells them like, you now have like 400 something million in your accounts. You're welcome. And he, um, throughout the movie, he's rate, he's uh, tallying what the value of um, their company is. So it gets into the negatives and it gets into negative uh, 19, I think was the lowest I saw. And then right after this, they go up in value by 489%. So all of these guys got paid out. And there's also a closing scene with um, um, Venet. And uh, he tell, he pretty much tells us, the, um, the audience, that he was never the good guy. He was always in it for the money. And because he took this risk, he got a nice $40 million bonus. <laughs> so fucking crazy <laughs> and um the in the end uh mark Baum decides to sell his stock and um he, he's venting to uh vinnie jeremy strong's character and he tells him uh jeremy strong is trying to like reassure him and tell him like well someone's gonna get like arrested for this eventually right like the big banks are gonna finally go, go down and mark says like no i really don't think that's gonna happen i think 
if anything, like they're just going to find a scapegoat. They're probably just blame immigrants. And then it cuts to Jared narrating again. And he says like, this is exactly what happened. The banks went to jail. And then he's like, it was just like a, a psych out. And he says like, no. And what actually did happen is that only one person went to jail for this whole thing. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. The, ta- the, the taxpayers of America bailed out all these big banks and, uh, millions of people fucking suffered and yeah. then that's pretty much it <laughs> that's the yeah there's um, ending. there's like there's like the narration um cutting out with Bennett, and he says these banks knew that um obviously there's no more money circulating the economy uh that the government would have to step in and they would have to bail them out so he emphasizes that that there is a strong feeling that these banks knew all this was going on and they knew all this was going to happen, but they didn't care because they were just going to get bailed out by the taxpayers. Because if there's no money circulating in the economy, then the country goes to shit. And a lot of these banks know that the federal government would never allow that. So a lot of people got fucked. (laughs) It's really fucked up. And then like in the end, we have this little coda of um, how what every every uh, main person got up to after, and everyone's fine. Everyone made money, but at the very end, it says uh, when the dust settled from the collapse, five trillion dollars in pension money, real estate value, four hundred one ks, savings, and bonds had disappeared. Eight million people lost their jobs, and six million lost their homes, and that was just in the USA. Like, fuck, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy. Um. But yeah, that is the big short. We kind of did a, we still hit an hour and five minutes, but we try to do like a speed <laughs> run. There's so, so I'm much sorry if, movie. I'm sorry if we were just like, I know that's the point of a podcast is just to talk, but you know, sorry. Yeah, if it was you a get boring. what you get. You get what you get. It's fucking free. So <laughs> shut up. We don't um, have sponsors, but when we, when we do, you still get what we'll make you it still get what you get. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it more exciting then. Um, but yeah, so Emilio. Oh, and also an interesting thing is that um, uh, What's-His-Face Christian Bale is does not have a scene with any other character. He is alone the whole time. Oh, yeah, you're right. So that's pretty fucking crazy how they accomplished that. But anyways, I want to move on to the end of our podcast. And since it's, it's the end, we're going to move on to our rating Emilio, give this movie a rating from one to five and give me just a closing summary of your feelings about it. You know, when I first watched this movie, I actually really liked it. But now that I'm rewatching it, I realized that I had no idea what the fuck was going on, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The second go around, I definitely have a better understanding against my free will. Um, It is a little long. There is a lot of things that take me out of the movie, especially the cameos and some of the fourth wall breaking. Um, But I think what I guess the director uh, and the writer and and everyone else involved, obviously, what they were going for was just a way to explain what happened and how these individuals um, got money out of it, how they took this really shitty thing that was going to happen and bet against it and how some of them were morally feeling about it and how some didn't give a shit and they just wanted the money from it. But, um, 
I think it accomplishes a few of those things, albeit it's a little like wonky in how it was executed. But I can see like what they were trying to go for for their final uh, result. So I want to give it like a three point five. Very respectable. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that the execution of this film could have been a lot better. I had a lot of high hopes for it. Like, um, you know, something we haven't talked about in depth is uh, Steve Carell. We didn't really mm-hmm. have a moment to talk about him in our last episode where he popped up with a crazy stupid love. Um, I love Steve Carell. I think he's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, I love him in The Office. He's awesome in Anchorman. Um, and he's awesome playing Gru in the Minions. I love him in that. <laughs> Goyles. Uh, he's good. He's so fucking good. I love that character. Um, but yeah, he's an amazing actor. Christian Bale, someone we'll talk about in depth later. He is also, I love him so much. Ryan Gosling, obviously. It's a star-studded cast. But like I, t- like I said, it, this kind of reminds me of Don't Look Up. I was also super fucking excited for that movie. And then like 15 minutes in, I was like, what fucking dog shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's just too cheesy and too tongue-in-cheek. And I think there is space for that, but the way it's executed in this movie, it just, I don't like it too much. Um, The cameos are kind of annoying, especially by the third one. It's too much. (laughs) All the fourth wall breaking, it's way too much. Do it just a few times. It doesn't have to be like a recurring bit in the movie. It gets Mm -hmm. gets old fast. Um, But when the movie gets serious, it's really good. I do end up liking the characters a lot, even though they're all scummy pieces of shit at the end of the day. And I like all the choices they're making. And Ryan Gosling is so fucking funny in it. Um, So yeah, because Ryan Gosling is so good in it, I'm going to give it a five out of five. So (laughs) in the pantheon of Ryan Gosling's homography, ranking it all the way up to an S all the way down to an F, where are you going to place a, I was going to say, don't look up uh, the big short. <laughs> um, you know, I do really like Ryan Gosling's character, or at least like what he decides to do with his character in this film. It, I think it kind of leaned into like how funny he can kind of go as far as like just being a little bit out there. Um, I want to give his performance as this character an S tier but the film definitely doesn't get nest here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I think that this is a very funny fucking character that he's playing. I think it really makes the movie for me. If he wasn't in it and if well, if Ryan Gosling wasn't playing the character, I don't know how much I would have liked the film, but mm-hmm. he makes it so fucking funny. I mean, like as we've seen Time and time again, Ryan Gosling steals the fucking show every time. He um, was so captivating in this movie, um, in Barbie, and also in fucking uh, uh, Remember the Titans, as we talked about. Like, he's a really minor character, but he got stuck in my head all those years ago when I first watched it. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it an S. All right, so last thing. Are you, are we literally him? Are you literally... Jared Vennett. I do get jacked to the tits. So yeah, <laughs> it tends to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
do I get Jack to the tits? Not really. I'm not even sure what that means, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know. He's such a slimy piece of shit. I don't. I I definitely am like maybe overly considerate of other people. So, and that's the opposite of Jared Bennett. So I'm going to say I'm like 0%. literally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, shit. God damn. That's another one down. Mm -hmm. And we just have one fucking left. We're going to fucking review drive next. Finally. Uh, Fuck. We got literally one of my favorite movies. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about it. I, I know. I feel like I've seen it with you before, but I'm not sure. But I've, yeah, I'm excited, dude. Um, yeah, guys, go check. You got to check out Drive next, and we'll, that'll be out next Monday. Uh, you guys should give us a rating. You should give us a five out of five. Emilio, um, why should the people give us a five out of five? Because we get you jacked to the tits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.